Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Long Distance Work Life. This is the podcast where we try to make sense of remote work and hybrid teams and generally keeping the weasels at bay while working in this crazy modern world. My name is Wayne Termel. I am not Joan joined by my co-host Marissa today because we have a guest and this is going to be a really fun conversation. My guest today is Jacques Martquet, who is coming to us from my old hometown of Vancouver. He is in fact the party scientist and before I do anything, Jacques, you'd best explain who are you and what is a party scientist? Yeah, thanks so much. I'm so excited to talk about team connectedness in this new age where, you know, we're we're constantly replying to messages and being inundated by Zoom meetings. Um, I'm very serious about public health. And for me, uh, party scientist is a lighthearted way of saying uh, really the science of connection and connectedness. And this is a massive determinant of our quality of life and our health and of team performance, uh, psychological safety, which is the fertile soil for connection, for relationships. This has been shown by Google to be the greatest determinant of team performance. So Wayne, I'm excited to get into some of the alternative non-mainstream practices of building relationships that foster high performance on teams. Well, we will get to the practical stuff because we pride ourselves on doing that. And I am a big context guy. I think we need context because a lot of the conversation around remote work centers around task completion, right? Can people do their work to a standard for which people will pay them. Uh, and kind of that's the definition of work. Uh, but working apart from each other does, doesn't entirely cause disconnection, but it certainly can be a factor. Can you tell us a little bit what your research has shown about disconnection, disengagement uh, in the remote workplace? Yeah, certainly. So there's a few reports that I can mention. Um, the first is a report that came out by BetterUp on the connection crisis at work. Um, and this was done with about 3,000 US workers, 3,000 likely average organizations. And they showed that uh, low belonging, low connection scores are related to uh, intention to quit, uh, serious job searching, but also anxiety, loneliness, burnout, and stress. Um, they also showed that a lot of workers just don't look forward to work because uh, they don't really like their coworkers or they don't even trust their coworkers. Um, if I were to look at the data more closely, it's something like 33% have quite limited trust in their coworkers. Now, how this applies to the remote and hybrid work setting, uh, what I'm aware of just broadly from all the articles I've 
I've I've I've written, but also read about the return to office. And yeah, one of the latest reports that I can dig up and include in the uh, in the show notes, Wayne, is you know people are more willing to return to the office for that social element. There is this this missing this longing for these informal connections. Uh, that people have with their coworkers. And this is one of the reasons, motives for people wanting to return to the office. Uh, so yeah, to, to summarize all of this, um, in a remote setting, it's harder to create these, these emotional bonds, right? It's not just based on the intellect. It's not just based on knowledge of someone's history. It's this emotional feeling. Oh, I feel safe with this person. It's much more difficult to create this. It takes a lot more risks to create these emotional bonds with our coworkers such that we actually look forward to our Zoom meetings versus what is happening right now is people are just that people are upset with how many meetings that they are attending and it's leading to, uh, to burnout. Now I want to follow that up in a moment, but you said something about psychological safety and this is a term that is starting to bubble up more and more. And it's kind of interesting that, I mean, and is always in the early stages, the research is all over the board, but what do we mean? Let's compare and contrast uh, psychological safety in a traditional in-person meeting versus psychological safety online. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, my definition of psychological safety is just uh, a fertile soil for social risk taking. Um, I think there's a lot of parallels between a physical environment and a remote environment. Uh, in a remote environment, it's it's more difficult to take social risks because there's less social cues. Um, so when when a, a risk, like a, a social risk, if I, if I were to take a social risk and like, oh, like, look, I have this funny sign. I'm excited. Woo! You know, I'm expressing myself. Maybe I'm revealing like something in my vicinity that's personal, like my excited sign. I've had that for five years. So that's a social risk. Now, in a remote environment, the social validation is uh, more frictional. What I mean by social validation is praise, recognition. It's 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 acknowledging what someone has shared, acknowledging that someone has expressed themselves or taken a risk. There's a lot more friction to that. So it's almost like we need to amp up the the social validation and provide more cues, be more explicit with cues. So I think that fundamental to psychological safety is uh, validation, encouragement, recognition of risks, okay? In a remote environment, in a Zoom meeting, it's more difficult to provide those cues because, uh, I mean, a, a lot of people don't have this uh, this kind of digital uh, competence with, with Zoom. Like, there's so much we can do with Zoom to create that uh, really fluid, non-frictional communication and validation. Such as? Yeah, I mean, you, you can use the multi-spotlight function. 
you can encourage people to speak up. You can nominate people to speak. Um, you can use nonverbal cues with your hands, right? Because we don't want to interrupt people. So there's, there's all these alternatives to providing cues. I mean, one thing that I often do when I'm in a Zoom meeting is I'll request the person's spotlight. If we're, if we're celebrating someone or if we're acknowledging someone, I request the person who's spotlight to go into gallery mode and then they see everyone, right? So we, we want to make sure people are in gallery mode to, to see everyone's faces, to see that they're being accepted, that their risks are being celebrated. Yeah, I, I, I want to just say something from Wayne's standpoint. Uh, because it's my show, darn it. Um, but but actually, this is important. There's a feeling that because of these challenges that you've mentioned, uh, that in-person meetings are by definition better. And it's not like there is no challenge to psychological safety in a meeting. As a matter of fact, studies show very often women feel physical intimidation or uh visible minorities are less likely to speak out in a face-to-face -face meeting because Bob is staring daggers at them over the table and they have to go back and sit two desks away from Bob. And so it's easier to say nothing. Well said. Well right? said. So, so this idea of psychological safety is relevant wherever, and it's the little things that we can do to generate that. Um, and so now that it sounds like we're on the same page and we're agreeing with everything, we need to talk about techniques. And I'm going to tell you that I am a crusty old cishet white guy. And I do, I, the minute somebody says, I have an icebreaker, I clench so hard you can't believe it. It makes me, oh, I, yeah. I just get automatically uncomfortable. So Mr. Young Party Guy, uh, how do teams go about, you know, creating this environment in ways that won't make my head explode? Yeah. Um, two things I want to say. First of all, uh, I'm a connection guy and I use partying as one of my modalities. So I'm not just the party guy. Uh, <laughs> although, I, I mean, most leaders are just I, they're not sufficiently creating the buy-in, the motives for people to participate in party activities. Um, and they're also just not willing to take the risk. Uh, I, I'm going to get into your question. Like, how do we, how do we really make people feel excited to participate in relationship building, to, to move out of this kind of formal space uh, mechanical, formal, and, and into more of an emotional space, into more of a vulnerable space, and to just lighten up a bit, right? Um, now, the first thing I want to emphasize is just this concept of emotional availability as it relates to psychological safety. And I think this is one of like the core traits for leaders to, to cultivate if they want to create psychological safety. And, and emotional availability is just being present with others' emotions and acknowledging what those emotions are, what is being shared. It's, it's about availability is, is there's receptivity. Um, so 
let's jump to, into your question and and like please please uh collaborate with me because i'm a young open-minded you know uh very positive yeah i i'm 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 kind of extremely biased because you know i've led thousands of parties uh, and and i i'm i'm biased in this way uh, some people have not experienced what i've experienced and and haven't haven't had the experience to become motivated to experience new things so you know i'm i'm just thinking i'm just thinking Wayne, you know we 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 get motivated based on emotion right but then we we justify our actions with logic so it's kind of a chicken and egg problem. I mean, we, I want people to experience how it makes them feel. And when they experience how it makes them feel, it's like, well, I want to feel that way more often. I want to feel connected. I don't just want to think I'm connected to my coworkers. I want to feel connected to my coworkers. Um, how I approach this problem generally, Wayne, is uh, first of all, I'm getting everyone's consent. I'm getting everyone's consent before I lead something new. And, and I'm not, I'm not saying it's an icebreaker. I'm not saying it's even an energizer. I'm, I'm saying I'm, I'm framing this as incredibly uh, nourishing for us. It's, it's for our well-being. It's for our, our health. It's for, for enjoying work more. It's, it's all these personal reasons. So I think getting into uh, the personal motives for people is really important. The second thing that I just want to emphasize is like when people understand how things work, they're more likely to consent and embrace it. So I like to explain how things work. And a lot of people aren't really familiar with social neurochemistry. Like what, what, you know, what are the other ways that we can connect other than just informal chatter over drinks? I mean, a lot of, a lot of people, that's, that's the only way they socialize, right? That's kind of the main norm for socialization, but really there's this like massive field of possibility that nourishes us more, makes us feel healthier, more energized, and like deepens our relationships. Yeah. What well, do you have anything to add? So or for example. Yeah, yeah. We can, we, can, that road. we can get into some tools. We can get into some tools. Um, let me just summarize this whole buy-in thing. So the, the next thing I'll just say is baby steps, baby steps. Um, if you throw up people an hour long experience, I mean, it's less, it's less likely they're going to consent to that. So I'm, I'm a huge advocate for snacks, for connection snacks and connection snacks that vitalize people, but also create this, this vulnerability. Okay. All right. So what can we do? I, I mean, like a lot of people are not willing to take risks. Okay. A lot of leaders are trying to save face and they're not willing to take the risks necessary to drastically improve the reputation, right? Because there's a risk. Some people might not like it. Some people may think it's ridiculous and a waste of time. I've, I've dealt with leaders who feel this way all the time around like stretching to music as an example, like that's, 
that's where I encourage a lot of leaders to start. Okay. I encourage a lot of leaders to start with two things, two things. The first is, oh, oh almost did that. Yeah. The first, choose the appropriate digit. This is a family podcast. <laughs> For the those first of you thing, listening, he, he started on an interesting finger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can tell. You can tell I'm a rule breaker, can't you? Um, so there's two things I encourage people to start with. First of all, music, music, especially nostalgic music, puts people in a different mood. Uh, it's it's variable, but certain songs just improve people's moods and uh, creates creates less stress, uh, reduces stress. So I like, I encourage leaders if they wanna try out new relationship building uh, practices to begin with some form of, of stretch, changing the physiology of the body. So get people up, get people moving in some way. They can just do simple stretches to open their posture, right? Maybe it's a yoga stretch with music, calming music, maybe funny music. Maybe it's a sing-along that everyone loves. People are stretching. They're changing their physiology. And then I like to stack an intentional, structured, one-on-one -on -one prompt. Intentional is we choose it beforehand. We choose it beforehand to invite people into a personal, uh, vulnerable space, okay? Intentional, what did I What did I say? Structured. So it's a prompt. It's like a question you answer or it's a, it's a phrase dot, dot, dot. Like um, my favorite Christmas memory is dot, dot, dot. Okay, that's, that's a prompt. One-on-one, one-on-one, -on -one. -on -one, because when we're one-on-one, -on -one, there's a, a massive spectrum for vulnerability versus when we're in front of a large group, okay? So deep relationships, are easier to form when we're one-on-one -on -one and when it's private. And this is the benefit. This is really one of the massive benefits of, of remote work is that we're not in a space where everyone's talking and we're getting distracted all the time. So to and summarize, this, you can use things like breakout rooms. Totally. Totally. Or and, separate chat in teams or something like that. Yeah. 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 Um, so the point is to summarize all this, there's three, there's three components here, music, movement, and then vulnerability through a structured prompt. You could do this probably four minutes. Doesn't need to be, doesn't need to be long. And uh, this is going to not only impact the rest of the meeting, but it's also going to uh, gradually build more and more of this, these relationships and, and friendships at work. And that is a reasonable place given where we are in time to stop this conversation. There is so much more that we could do. Jacques Mardiquet, where can people find you? Thepartyscientist.com. And we will have links to thepartyscientist.com and Jacques' link, LinkedIn page and a couple of other things on our show notes, which are, of course, at longdistanceworklife.com. Uh, by the time you are hearing this, we will be dangerously close to the launch of our new book, The Long Distance Team, Design Your Team for Everyone's Success. We are very excited about that. And, of course, 
if you like the show, you know, like, subscribe, you understand podcasts, you know how that works. And if you want to reach either myself or Marissa with questions or comments or vicious personal attacks or show ideas, have at it. We can be found at our name at kevineikenberry.com. Uh, Jacques, thank you so much for taking the time, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm going to let you say goodbye real quick. Goodbye, everyone. And hope this has uh, encouraged you to take a few more risks. <laughs> and uh, that's it. We will see you on the next show. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on the Long Distance Work Life. Don't let the weasels get you down, and we will talk again soon.